Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm back with another guest today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I know you're going to love it. But since, as you hear me say this every week, but since I just met my guest, I will let them introduce themselves. So please, dear guest, tell us who you are and just a little overview of what you do. Hey, everyone. I'm Aubrey Andrus. I'm an award-winning children's book author, and my most recent project is called The Look Up Series, which is a STEM series for girls featuring real, modern, diverse women in ridiculously fun STEM careers. Think ice cream scientist, toy engineer, theme park designer, and more. And these are real jobs, I promise. And <laughs> I'm also a former American Girl editor, and I often do virtual visits with Girl Scout troops, um, often my friends and friends of friends, um, and help them when they're working on STEM badges, like the home scientist, inventor, STEM career exploration, et cetera. And I kind of incorporate activities from the Lookup series. So I was so excited to get in touch with you to kind of share these activities and resources with other leaders. Yeah, I have so many things I want to talk to you about and ask you, but let me start with how this is going to be most applicable to troop leaders right away and then we'll like dig in more to the weeds but just at face value one of the things that has been a big priority for girl scouts in the last 10 years has been stem programming and a little bit in the beginning i think people bought into it more like okay yeah we need this we understand there's a need for this and then it kind of i've heard from people that it kind of started to feel like to some people that it's just forcing STEM down people's throats, down adults' throats, down girls' throats, STEM, STEM, all the time, STEM, all we do is STEM, all we offer is STEM. And I have my own response to that, but which I'm sure does not surprise anyone listening to this. But I know that there are people listening to this who have felt that. And I'm curious about your perspective of, like, why? Why is that the case and why is this important? Absolutely. I think there's two sides to it. Like one side is on a very personal level and then one side's on a more global level. And so for me personally, um, I became a mom to two daughters and, um, you know, around 2020 after almost 2 million women left the workforce, I just started to think about like the female career role models in my daughter's life and the women in her life that she saw on a daily basis. You know, they're mostly teachers and caregivers. And I just really made me wonder about, you know, how am I going to get these like career role models in front of my child and how, what is her future going to look like? And so I made sure we got a female dentist and a female pediatrician and we had some board books about historical women. And, you know, maybe there's some athletes and pop stars and global celebrities, but I really became concerned just about what her career options were. I mean, as a two-year-old, she was already getting fed all these super gender biased, you know, things. And I was just so shocked by it all. So um, that's kind of personally where I came from. And then on a more global level, since becoming a parent, I was just more and more concerned than ever about environmental issues. You know, we've always been so concerned about polluting our air, but so then we didn't even notice we polluted our water and our soil, which pollutes our food sources and therefore ourselves. And it's like, what are we going to do? And we have so many problems on this planet that need to be solved. And a lot of those problems are going to be solved with science and engineering. And in the near future, the, you know, the jobs that have the most opportunities are in STEM fields. So I think if we want to set our daughters up for success and women up for success and try to fix this, you know, uh, income gap between, you know, the gender gap, 
and the diversity gap, then we really need to step it up and start giving our girls these role models in these more high, high paying, highly educated um, careers that are really solving the world's biggest problems. And so it's not only going to help our daughters, but it's also going to help the planet because <laughs> we need a female perspective in these, these fields. So it, it, it's a more of a global problem than you, than you think, you know, and of global importance, I suppose. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of where my brain went. What and- an incredible response. And, and just so, I don't think anybody can listen to that and think, oh, then, you know, I don't, oh, I don't think it's important. Like, you know, of course right. it is. And I, right. so what a thoughtful and incredible response. And I, I want to add my two cents as well and just say that related STEM is this buzzword these days, but it really means everything. And especially this whole STEM versus STEAM thing of what what do you call it, right? Right. Um, it's literally everything. And when you think of it as STEM is solving problems, it's identifying problems, exploring the root cause of those problems, and coming up with sustainable solutions for those problems. That's the Girl Scout program. That's right. literally what the point is, right, of GSLE. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for a few episodes at this point, you've heard me talk about those things before. And that is that's all STEM. Right. And these are skills you just need to be a confident and capable human being. Even if you don't go into a STEM field, these are still just basic life skills that are only going to help you. Yes. We make choices all day, every day that are all coming back to our understanding of the world around us which is STEM. And so I, I, that's my, always been my perspective on it. And I just love that you took it to this um, and, and probably to your point has a lot to do with your personal story of why it became important to you of thinking about what planet will be available for my children to live on and to grow up into that, that is a crisis and it's it's imminent and what could possibly be more important to us who love girls mm-hmm. and who want girls to have any future let alone amazing futures and oh I just feel inspired okay thank you <laughs> so that was awesome so one of the things that I think is another big obstacle for us when it comes to STEM programming in Girl Scouts is that a lot of us as troop leaders are totally insufficiently prepared to lead any kind of STEM programming. I know sometimes they come out with these badges that have like coding or whatever. Home scientist I'm okay with. I can look up home science experiments and I feel okay about that. Some of them I'm doing for the first, well, many of them I'm doing for the first time myself. But like, I understand like basic, maybe brownie level concepts of home science. But some of these things, like some of the game design things and the engineering things, I am totally uncomfortable with. And when you get into like biology and chemistry and I'm just like, yeah. it's overwhelming. So why, I hear I, you. I hear how you. do we handle <laughs> STEM programming as the quote unquote leader if we yeah. are totally uncomfortable with STEM ourselves? Yeah, I 100% hear you because I am a children's book author with a journalism degree. I am not a woman in STEM. So <laughs> this is this is exactly sort of the conundrum I was faced as a mom and wondering what I could do to help, 
you know, make the world a better and more fair place for my daughters. And I didn't think I could do anything as a children's book author. But then I realized that, hey, I've actually ghostwritten books for for scientists for like National Geographic in, um, you know, basically as a, as a children's book author, I often partner with an expert, you know, and they validate my work. And so I was like, well, if I partner with some women in STEM, then they can tell me their story. I can basically go ghostwrite their story and, um, you know, just we can work together to create this product. And so that's why I also wanted to share this with troop leaders, because I feel like I learned so much from interviewing these women and really, really drilling down and trying to remind them that these books were for mostly eight to 12 year olds. So we really got to like get to the core simplistic, you know, um, key points of these fields. And also um, just remind everyone that we're just trying to like inspire these girls. We don't need to tell them everything, you know, in the same way that if you're applying for a job and you send a resume, you just want to get them excited to talk to you, you know, like you don't need to literally tell your life story. So, um, I try to keep that in mind when I am, uh, you know, trying to create these books and, and teaching girls about STEM. It's like, what can I just teach them that inspires them? What is like the high level things they can take away from this? Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where, where my head went when I was creating these. <laughs> so I love that. And yeah. partnering with an expert is such, it's such good foundational advice that it's okay. Whether that means you find an expert resource and you learn from it and then you try to duplicate it at an eight-year-old level, which is okay because you're working with eight-year-olds or mm -hmm. in fact, that's preferred, right? Because they're, they're eight. They need to be able to process it. Or whether it's because you bring in a guest expert to actually be present to help you run through an activity or to talk about a concept, like either one would be great. Do you have any other suggestions for ways? What does partnering with it? What can partnering with an expert look like? Yeah, I mean, it's always, so it involves some planning ahead, but there's lots of resources um, online where you can find women in STEM who might be willing to do a virtual visit. You can even just inviting, asking other parents for help to come in <laughs> so you have extra hands, you know, to help girls through these maybe more complicated experiments. Um, when I'm creating activities for kids, um, I try to keep in mind that everyone has very different skill levels. So just like you know, if you were doing an, an exercise and there might be like an easier modification and a harder modification, you know, you want to like find that baseline and then have an easier version and a harder version. Um, and again, remembering that you're just, the goal is just to get them excited and giving them enough information to, to get them interested. And I like to leave a lot of time for them to take action. And actually, I know before on this podcast, you talk about short attention spans and <laughs> that will probably be more relevant than ever when you're talking about STEM content because you, you really can get in the weeds and, you know, lose some interest. And I like to encourage like group work and leaving a few minutes at the end for the kids to present because, um, you know, kind of presenting their ideas or teaching back the content also helps them retain it and gets them more excited about it. Again, just you can never have enough helpers on hand for any meeting. <laughs> so anyone who is willing to just even stand by the side and, you know, be an extra set of hands is, is helpful for when you're doing these maybe more complicated or intimidating um, STEM activities. So I love what you said about teaching it back. And I, I absolutely agree from a 
child development or a human development standpoint of how we learn things, that that is going to help with the retention and the understanding um, and a million other skills as well. Mm-hmm. But another big pushback that we always hear in Girl Scout troop leader communities is that people struggle with running meetings that don't feel like more school. And part of this is a fundamental problem with how being in school feels for girls. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if school didn't feel like a punishment <laughs> to have right. to get through, then it wouldn't be a problem if it was quote unquote like school. But how how can we kind of take these concepts and um, especially trying to think about, well, from a learning perspective, I want them to get something out of this. I want them to get as much as possible out of this. I think we all agree on that. But mm-hmm. how do I help them get a lot out of it without going into like playing teacher? <laughs> right. I think, again, the the biggest helpful tip there is going to be to get to an activity quick and Think of when you're like learning a board game and some people are just kind of like, I don't know, let's just start playing and we'll learn it as we go along, you know? And so when I was helping a troop um, with an inventor badge, I I came up with some activities that were tied to this Amanda Toy Engineer book. Instead of kind of like beating the horse about, you know, engineering, I was like, okay, let's, we're going to engineer a toy. Let's um, break into, you know, small groups and um, Amanda had to, had to figure out how to engineer a small toy owl, owl that flies. And I showed him a little video of it. And so we're going to solve some problems too. And so it was like, okay. And so we had them pull some names or a little piece of paper out of a hat and they had to tackle the the challenge that they, they pulled out. And so um, one of them was like, uh, engineer a toy that could be, or like, it could be a toy, an action figure, a doll, whatever, that is both a house and a car. And then another one was like, engineer a backpack that is also a form of transportation. And another one was like, engineer a toy for a kid who is afraid of the dark and has a hard time falling asleep. And so they they tackled these challenges. And then we presented at the, they had to present at the end and we showed them actual toys that have already been created. Like we basically pulled real toys first and then, you know, worked backwards to have them come up with a challenge. And then we kind of started talking about like what that means. You know, what did we just do? We just tackled these problems. We just, you know, here's some points about engineering um, that that are relevant to what you already just did. You know, like you, it's almost like you already did it. And now let's talk about what you did as opposed to let me tell you about engineering while you sit here and listen, you know? So I really like jumping quickly into the hands-on activity and it's almost like you know hiding the the broccoli and the mac and cheese or whatever they don't realize they're learning (laughs) yes I love that and I particularly want to call out that I love your use of language because instead of saying we're going to do an engineering activity you used engineer as a verb we're going to engineer a toy today. And that is such a different way, I think, to approach it where it doesn't feel like I'm shoving STEM down your throat. Now we're going to do a STEM badge. Oh, we have more STEM badges to do. Because exactly what you were saying about hiding the broccoli, when we have girls that get into, say, middle school, to your your point early, early, earlier on in this conversation, you mentioned you noticed your two-year-old was already being exposed to biased media and biased messaging in the world around her. And 
by the time they get to middle school, I was going to say I like hiding broccoli in the macaroni, but I was going to say um, the reference from How I Met Your Mother with Where's the Poop. By middle <laughs> school, they're like, they're sniffing for it. They're like, where's the poop? Yeah. And I think that sometimes by middle school, because middle schoolers are particularly impacted by these social themes and what's going on around them, this is a big hit to girls' confidence and their interest in things like STEM and leadership Mm -hmm. and (laughs) putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and expressing themselves and their own opinions and their own thoughts. It's when it becomes cool to be quiet, shy, um, being pretty becomes more important and Mm -hmm. um, feeling pretty and feeling accepted. All of that becomes so heightened. And sometimes that can lead to, I think, middle school girls being particularly sensitive to having STEM forced down their throats, even if you approach it, because by middle school, you can have conversations with them about gender gaps and things like that. um, And they will care But they also don't want to be a banner carrier. Being a banner carrier is like the worst thing a middle school girl can be asked to do. Mm -hmm. So she will be so often so quick to reject anything that feels like you're asking her to to take that on. Well, there aren't enough women doing this. That would make um, the average middle school girl psyche go, well, then I shouldn't either because that's Mm -hmm. not what girls do. So what are some of your thoughts about when we get into those upper ages and they're dealing with years and years and at some point, you know, more than a decade of biased social programming? Yeah, and I think that's where role models come in. And that was my hope with this book series is was just like, how do we get these female diverse role models in front of all girls so they can see that you can become this? And also, you know, like the, the one book I wrote in particular, Angela Beauty Chemist, she's like, su- just by coincidence, she's just super glamorous and beautiful and super feminine she you know she's into dancing and but she's a chemist you know and she doesn't hide her like femininity from science and she's a beauty chemist like she makes makeup and she makes bubble bath and um and so I think like role models like her in particular I think are so important because it's like you you can be both um you know it's possible it's it, it that's like a lot, you know, it's, it's hard to be everything, but like you there, you don't have to lose like being a girly girl. If you are also scientific, you know, or into math or into engineering. So I think that was like an important lesson too. And then all of the books, um, or I should just say all the women I talked to me as a 30 something, I was like, really it was almost upsetting to me because all the careers are so creative and use so much arts and like I had no idea I thought because I was I was always good at writing and so I became a children's book author you know I majored in journalism and then became a writer and I didn't think that I could also be good at science and math and I think girls today are much more savvy but however like you said they're still you know given all this Yes. Or feedback and- <laughs> this feeling as a kid that even if you could come up with 
careers like that like I loved roller coasters loved amusement parks big roller Mm -hmm. coaster kid and I knew there were people who designed roller coasters I played roller coaster tycoon I knew there was science behind what makes a roller coaster work safe it's fun it's exciting right because those mechanics are built into building roller coasters in roller coaster tycoon but if I had gone to my parents and said I want to become a roller coaster designer. That's what I want to do, which sounds like a really cool career. And it's definitely Mm -hmm. STEM. My parents would have said, but how many people realistically are going to be become roller coaster designers? I mean, there's just not that many. Yeah. That's so disheartening. It is. It is. And but like what's funny is there's actually a lot of people who do that, who design. There's a lot of theme parks around the entire world. You know, like this is a real job. They do themed experiences, themed hotels, like, the you know, things in Vegas. Like, I mean, these jobs are real. So I just yeah, I, I like to show that to kids and, you know, like the Dr. Maya ice cream scientist, that sounds like a fake job too, but like there's food scientists, you know, there's candy scientists, there's cheese scientists, there's meat scientists. I mean, these are real jobs. Yes. And like, literally you know, all of the food that we buy at the grocery store has been influenced by a scientist. Yeah. yeah. So, so even these jobs that seem fake and, and almost like out of reach, they're actually not, you know, they're way more common than you would you would think and so I think we also just as a society tend to discourage creative jobs and think they're you know not real and that's a whole other problem but um yeah they they are they are so real (laughs) there's a lot of people who do them and they have some of these jobs that do have a lot of people like I I mean I'm not trying to pick on you but studying journalism uh, I mean let's be honest as a kid, if you said, I want to study journalism, people would have been like, yep, good. There's lots of jobs in that. And then you grow up to a world where newspapers are all going away. And the, oh, yeah. there are so many people graduating into journalism that are then struggling to get journalism jobs, right? So exactly. like, isn't it kind of the opposite that if there's things, especially that girls and women aren't doing, shouldn't we encourage girls to go do those things? Well, exactly. And that's like another, you know, if you want to take it to another level, like, yeah, these are high paying jobs, like secure jobs. There's going to be a lot of jobs available. They pay very well. These are the kind of companies, you know, you hear about like these tech companies that give you insane maternity leaves and, you know, sabbaticals and like all this stuff. I mean, these are like, these are the kind of jobs I want my daughters to have. You know, I want them to be, especially yes. as a, you know, I'm essentially a freelancer. I just had two pregnancies that with unpaid maternity leave, you know, for four months each time, like you know, to think that my career hasn't halted a little bit would be a joke, you know? So it's just, it's like, I wish I had, I really would have loved to be an engineer and I think I would have been really good at it, but like, yeah, my life just didn't lead me there. You know, I was good at writing. And so I became a writer, like, and, you know, yeah. And I'm a talker and everyone was, would always say, she's so social. She's so social. She needs to go into something social. And even it's not that I had to do something that didn't make money, but it was, um, well, you should go to law school or you should, you know, people still allowed me to dream big, but it was always related to that. And I'm a mm-hmm. kid who took calculus and loved it because even though I didn't really care for math until that point, I was good enough at it. I was good at school in general, but I I got to calculus and it made me retroactively like all of the math I had taken before. And it changed the way I saw the world around me. I looked around and I could see math in the world and not a single person ever said to me, huh, you should probably study something STEM related. Not one. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I have a friend who um, is a math teacher and she was like top of her class in math. And so 
the thing she was told to do is to become a math teacher. She, what? She could have, she's so upset about it now. She's like, I could have been an engineer. I could have been, you know, like she could have had this. Yeah. Life. But mathematician doesn't sound like a real job. So then you, especially for a girl, so you translate it to math teacher. Exactly. And I bet she's a wonderful math teacher and helps a lot of people understand math and learn math that otherwise might, you know, reject it or dispel it, which makes, you said something earlier about uh, it, it improves your quality of life to to have STEM, even if you don't work in STEM. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about math, too. If you're not using math every day, frankly, all day, every day, you are making life so much harder for yourself. And so having a really good math teacher is changing the world, but also getting paid $30,000 a year. And Yeah. And I think yeah. the issue in her situation is that no one ever presented her with another option. You know, it was just, oh, you're great at math and you're a girl, you'll be a math teacher, you know? So, and yeah, and nothing against teachers. Like you said, teachers are incredible. They're amazing. (laughs) We obviously, the world world depends on teachers and the future depends on teachers. Yes. That's, I mean, that's a whole rant for another day. So let's, let's do a rant that's relevant to today though. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what the, the gap actually does look like? Yeah, so there's so many different statistics um, that are depressing <laughs> about women in STEM, but um, the one I'm always drawn to in particular is that women make up about half of the college-educated workforce you know, in the U.S., but they just hold less than a quarter of the jobs in STEM, and so it's, it's not like women aren't you know, starting to pursue degrees, but they're, they're falling off. They're not necessarily taking the jobs, you know, maybe because it's a male dominated industry and they don't feel, you know, welcomes or, or various other reasons. Maybe there's no, you know, maternity leave support, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's one point. Um, another point that always catches my eye is that engineering in particular has a huge deficit of female workers and just 15% of engineers today are women. And that's only up from 11% in 1990, like according to the Pew Research Center. So I, that one always just sticks with me where I'm like, wow, we just like can't get women to get in, into engineering and stay there. You know, it's just so heavily male dominated. And so that is just like one field in particular that I think everyone really needs to focus on. Um, and then, you know, the other statistics are that STEM workers, you know, the statistics show, the data shows that they do earn a higher median um, than other non-STEM jobs, um, higher median income and um, I mean, it's the difference between like 77,000 and 46,000, you know, this is like a giant you know, salary gap. You can earn a lot more money in STEM and this isn't all about money, but I'm just saying why there's a gender gap, you know, in, in wages. And uh, I think we could possibly pinpoint it to the lack of women in STEM, you know, because these careers are pay exponentially more and are also severely lacking women. So if we want to fix that gender gap, this is one place we need to welcome more women into. Yeah. And one of the big ways to address that gap is, of course, helping girls develop confidence and uh, self-esteem and comfort with STEM from the time that they're young, which obviously comes back to your the work that you've done both on the Look Up series and beforehand. So having role models and also having the the comfort level and the confidence Share with us about that. Share with us about how we can, working with girls can close that gap and how, what does that look like? How can we do that? Yeah. Well, I always come back to the 
Gina Davis Institute on Gender, Gender and Media, um, they discovered the Scully effect, which has been proven, and it showed that women who had heavily watched the X-Files, where Dana Scully was an FBI agent and medical doctor and was very analytical and confident, um, those women tended to be more interested in STEM, had more confidence to enter the STEM fields, um, were more willing to see the importance of STEM and encourage their daughters or friends to go into STEM. And so it basically changed an entire generation of women's views on STEM and STEM careers. And so the effect that like media can have on kids is real. And so we, you know, girls and boys need to see women in these roles, in these leadership roles, in these STEM roles. You know, there's so many studies that show if you ask a bunch of kids to draw scientists, they're going to draw like an old white nerdy guy, you know. And so it's like we need to change that that perspective of who is a scientist and what do they look like and um you know really being aware of of just incorporating female role models any way we can in these fields you know whether it's through pictures on a poster or you know people in a book or having visitors come to a classroom you know um it's just like so important to get those visuals in front of them and and let them one thing that was important to me in when I created the series was to show them all sides of these women. And so like, there's a little page of just kind of like fun facts about each woman. And it's like, what's their favorite color? And do they have any pets? You know, just like show them that these are like real people that they can identify with and that they can see themselves in, in more than one way, you know, like, and so I just really think we need to to kind of like bring down it's it seems so intimidating and overwhelming sometimes especially as a girl or as a woman to like approach these subjects and I'm sure that's also part of the reason why a lot of troop leaders feel very overwhelmed by doing a stem badge or feel like they're completely under qualified but like if you just I think we haven't given ourselves the chance to you know we we can all do this like you know we can do it like we can learn these concepts and teach these girls. It's not, it isn't rocket science, you know, some of it, some of it is obviously, but um, not all of it is. And it's, it's something that involves STEM also involves a lot of creativity and like, you know, we can all do this if we just like take the time to like work through it together. And um, yeah, I just, I think um, we need to maybe just like look at it from a different perspective and stop being so scared about these fields. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the book series, the lookup series that you have worked on is just an invaluable opportunity to expose girls to your point, to some media, to give them role models and to make them accessible. What else, what else should we know about the lookup series and any of the other projects that you've gotten to be part of that and any other resources that you want to tell people about that we could go pursue? Yeah. So um, the lookup series is just a really fun peek into each career. So like I mentioned before, we've got a theme park designer, a beauty chemist, an ice cream scientist, a toy engineer, and a video game developer. And so you get a nice peek into like, what is that career? What do they do? Which sort of like focuses on a little concept that's a nice, not too overwhelming <laughs> introduction into, a, you know, what they might be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then it goes into a little bit about like, who is this woman and, and what was she like as a kid? And so they can kind of see how a curious kid could grow into such a confident grown up. 
And then we go into a little bit about like, what is a job? You know, what is a PhD? Like, you know, or what is college? And then um, at the end, there's some activities where you can actually draw in the book um, and fill out. So you're either coming up with your own theme park ride or designing your own ice cream flavor. And then at the end, we have just some reflection, like journaling pages, like why do we look up to this person and, and sort of like what, like some question, some prompts that let girls kind of reflect on how they're already like this person. So, you know, like describe a challenge that you overcame, describe a time you fixed a problem with a creative solution, list three things that always made you wonder, how does that work? You know, and so you can kind of, again, it's like we talked about earlier where you're you're kind of making them realizing that they're already doing this, you know, like this, the, these, these concepts are already baked into their daily life, already baked into their being, you know, it's not something that, that they don't already do and, and aren't already good at. So yeah, I just, it's been so cool to meet these ladies and um, I was so thankful that they were willing to work with me and share their expertise and just really excited to get more girls, get these books in the hands of more girls. And the theme park designer book is the book that I wanted when I was a kid. So that's, yeah. um, that's also why I wrote this series. It's exactly <laughs> what I would have liked. And I think it helped also, I used to work at American Girl as an editor there. So I kind of took my my experience creating content for girls and instead of kind of helping them through friendship troubles or middle, you know, middle school, I was like, okay, let's kind of put a little, you know, what if American girl had taught me engineering, you know, I'd always had yeah. such a great experience with American girl as a kid and then went me on too. to work there. So I was just like, that's kind of where my head was at when I created this. So yeah, I was so I when I saw that, I was like, I want to have a whole conversation with you about what it's like to work for American Girl. So yeah. that's so funny. <laughs> but these look up books sound so cool. Where can we get them? Yeah, so you can find them on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, basically wherever books are sold. You can also go to thelookupseries.com. That's where you'll, you'll find links to like Amazon and bookshop.org. Um, you can't purchase books directly from the website yet. I would love to offer everyone a little free download. If you want to, I'm going to create a secret link. If you want to go to thelookupseries.com slash troopleader, I'll create a little, some downloadable worksheets for everyone with some engineering activities, like adventure activities, and uh, that could help you in your next meeting and get you more, get you yourself more confident in teaching STEM and excited about a little STEM activity. I love this. And thank you for that. That is so cool. And I just have one other question for you. Oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about your Girl Scout experience. By the way, you guys, oh, yeah. <laughs> she literally was a Girl Scout and a troop leader, but yeah. um, I, I also wanted to ask you what's next for you? What what do you what do you want to do next? What's oh, on the horizon? It's a good question. Priorities for me right now are just uh kind of running with this book series. Um I'm on you know Amazon right now is it's like print on demand. It's it's kind of a a fast way to get your idea out there and kind of test whether or not it's a good idea. So I'd really love to do a print run and uh, start selling directly from my website and be able to offer some discounts on bulk orders to teachers and, and troop leaders and um, maybe create some workbooks that spin off. And I'm really kind of, I'm, I'm really into this. So I'm still giving it a go um, and just trying to get this series out there and into the hands of girls. I love this so much. Thank you for all the work that you do. And I really feel like this is this is world changing, world impacting work. And um, so thank you for what you're doing for girls and 
women. And thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with us and resources. Remember, you guys, that link is going to be in the show notes, but it is, is it the lookup series? Yep. The lookup series. com slash troop leader. Okay. So Ooh. everybody make sure if you need to, to set a little voice memo to remind yourself to come back and click that link in the show notes when you're not driving or whatever, make sure that you get that because she is offering us some um, some free resources to use with our girls to just help make STEM more accessible and relatable and um, and fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. Thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking to you and I hope that this helps this download and that these books help girls and women uh, get more confident in STEM and I'm just excited by it and um, just feel a little bit more comfortable in that space. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you.